Sorry. Sorry. I went off on a little thing. mental musical tangent. Travel back in time to the 80s, reliving the laughter. <laughs> the heroes. Pick up your phone and call the professionals. Go Ghostbusters. And the honesty. What's up, Norm? My nipples. It's freezing out there. Because just like you, we're stuck in the 80s. Sure, it's not 1985 right now, but who knows what tomorrow will bring. Welcome to Stuck in the 80s. It's your host, Steve Spears. And Brad in LA. And it's Valentine's Day season here again at the podcast. So, basically, I quit. Wait, what? Seriously? Pardon the obvious pun, but what have I done to deserve this? Me and some, like, totally artificially generated romantic topic not happening. Come on, man. Think outside the box. Make it work. Man up, Spearsy. You're still here? It's over. Go home. No, no, I'm not giving up. We're going to find a topic. Let's see. Um, best, most funnest rom-coms of the 1980s. Nope. Uh, funniest looking couples of the 80s? Nuh-uh. Okay, how about most unlikely duets of the 80s? No way will I... Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Podcast Network. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and the CLNS Media mobile app. And don't forget to listen to our podcast at the CLNS Media website. You can find it at clnsmedia.com. And as always, if you love the show, please share the links on social media. Steve, joining us today, someone who's more likely to burn all of her Prince albums in the backyard than to sing an unlikely duet, it's Jen with one N. I'm so confused that by that logic, but thank you for the <laughs> wonderful introduction. I'm just what I mean by that is that you seem that you would. I think you would be willing to sing a duet with anybody. So oh, okay, because the way I heard it was no that such I, thing is an unlikely duet. Got it. Yeah, I heard it the See, other way so around. Did I. I heard it the other so way did around. I. You guys are cynics. <laughs> you're cynics. No, I think it was just the verbiage. Was there was a lot of words there, but I, I see what you're saying, and yes, that's correct. Thank you, Brad. <laughs> Well, I'm very happy to be here on another Valentine's Day slash week episode. Yeah, so as Jen sings, I <laughs> lament that it is indeed another Valentine's Day week. And we're faced with the problem this podcast has each February. What sort of romance or love-based theme can we conjure up for the podcast for 14 years in a row? We're shoving a square and, peg into a round hole here, people. Yes. And then lightning struck. Well, maybe it wasn't lightning, but we basically ran out of time and we needed to make a decision. So we're going to cover our favorite unlikely musical duets of the 80s. Yay! Uh-huh. Good one. Uh-huh. I like it. You got to admit, though, that the 80s had a lot of duets. And I'd say, what would you say, like 50-50 good and bad? 
Ah. It's probably more bad because they're probably ones that we just don't know about. Or ones that, that we've bad. blocked out yeah. of our memories. Right. Anything involving Paul McCartney. I really don't like those duets. Yeah, no. I really do not like those duets. Uh, a few years ago, Carol Jansen uh, was on the show for the Valentine's <laughs> podcast, and she must have put in years of research. Oh, my to come gosh. Up yeah. With her favorite duets of the 80s. Oh, podcast. yeah. And so much and David they, Foster. They, <laughs> they told the story of her romantic life. She had a song for every romantic phase in her life. You know, honestly, I hear, gentle listener, I'm going to give you some free advice. <laughs> Just delete this show and go back to that one and download it now and listen to it because it's better than whatever we're going to give you today. I, I'm, yeah, we'll that's link just, to it. That's just self realization. That is very pessimistic, guys. <laughs> let's, let's, at least, you in a cynical town. let's at least record the thing, you know what I'm saying? Oh, well, we should still. We, I mean, it's, you know, to quote Gandhi, whatever you do is very, will be unimportant, but it is very important that you do it. Oh, I thought Gandhi said something about podcasts. <laughs> well, that's, I'm saving that for later. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, exactly. So we've each picked one song. One song that we consider to be an unlikely duet. And then after that, we're going to have some fun seggies this week. We've got a, a full slate, including the a very unexpected appearance of PPTMN. And then we have the return of um, our 80s obsession. So we really have a full plate. like, But but we have – it's equally divided into like carbs and vegetables and protein. Mm, and a little so bit I of lean it's going to work protein. Out well. <laughs> this very lean. This is practically like – Grilled salmon. That's Ooh. how lean mm. this week's show is. But but very tasty with a little miso glaze. Anyway, let's get started. Brad, what is your unlikely duet of the 80s? My unlikely duet of the 1980s, Steve, is Little Drummer Boy slash Peace on Earth by David Bowie and Bing Crosby. Come, they told me, a newborn king to see You guys remember this gem, I'm sure. Every year, every oh, year yeah. I remember it. <laughs> yeah, so this was actually not recorded in the 80s. This was recorded in 1977 on September 11th, 1977 for a Bing Crosby television special called A Merry Old Christmas with lots of extra E's in it because they were going to England. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna make that joke. Yeah. I missed out. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to take that one from you. But I, I have not seen this special. I did not have time to watch it before the show. It's an hour long. And I was busy, you know, like doing laundry another week and stuff. But having read the plot line, I really kind of want to watch it. It just looks like your typical stitched together TV variety special where you know, Bing Crosby's family gets a letter from someone who has a castle in England and says, Hey, you're our distant family. Why don't you come over? And you know, somehow they shove in guest appearances by Twiggy, <laughs> David Bowie, and the Trinity Boys Choir. So it just it just <laughs> sounds amazing. But uh, it's actually the last thing that Bing Crosby did professionally before he passed away. He died five weeks later. Wow! Bef- oh, before it actually aired, even. So oh, no, I feel so, bad for laughing in and cackling. So that's the Spearsy angle. Dead people. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> So uh, you remember the video. So Bowie comes in and they have some banter back and forth. They kind of like, you know, just establish that neither of them seems to have any idea who the other one is, which is kind of ridiculous. Uh, and, and then they make their way to the piano and they kind of sorting through some sheet music. And the next thing you know, they're singing Little Drummer Boy, which apparently David Bowie refused to sing. He just thought it was a terrible song. And so the writing team 
came up with the peace on earth counterpoint that he sings. Um, by the way, it was written by Larry Grossman and Buzz Kohan, who actually who also collaborated on the Michael Jackson song "Gone Too Soon" from Bad. <laughs> they sound like, they sound like a couple of astronauts. They really do, don't <laughs> they? Just me. Just like this kind of Tin Pan Alley name combination. Totally. Um, but according to the special's co-writer, the song was written, rehearsed, and ready to go in an hour. Peace on earth. Can it be? Years from now, perhaps we'll see. See the day of glory. See the day Bing Crosby said the next week that Bowie was a, quote, clean-cut kid and a real fine asset to the show. He sings well, has a great voice, and reads line well. Reads lines well, unlike me. <laughs> and Bowie... That's funny. Yeah, I thought that was pretty funny. Bowie admitted that he basically did the show because his mom liked Bing Crosby. Although, at the time, he was kind of trying to normalize his career a little bit after being the glam rock space oddity that everyone knew him as in the 70s so this was a good way to do that right oh very much so appearing with bing crosby right right like what could be more (laughs) sort of old-fashioned and and normal yeah yeah now now, am i wrong but this song was actually even though it was recorded and it appears in that like late 70s thing it it wasn't like commercially released as a single until the 80s right and that's why we're talking about it yeah and i think i did not have time to do too much digging on this but i really think that there's three letters there's one reason that this became popular in 1982 and i know having it's been a while since anyone's had a theory on this podcast but i have a theory about little drummer boy peace on earth any guesses on why you mean why it was released in the 80s? Uh, why it was released in 1982. Oh, MTV. Yeah. MTV. I was going to say God. So. I'm like, what has three letters? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. David Bowie found religion. No. Uh, yeah. No, I, I seriously, I think it's MTV because I think it probably popped up there. There weren't a whole lot of Christmas videos for them to show. So it was kind of a natural fit there. Yeah. Uh, yeah Brad, your theory 100% checks out because... I have been watching this video on MTV when I was watching MTV every year, every single year yeah. it would come on. Yeah. And, I, and I appreciate hearing the backstory that it was a special because every year when I'd watch it, I would think, why is this? <laughs> like, wh- yeah. How did they get into this room? And I didn't know about the special and the, you know, little tortured right. narrative of getting Bing's family over to England, not any of that. So it's kind of right. nice and to know, like, oh, okay. Bowie happens to be the neighbor. And right. Like, why is that even important? Yeah, right. exactly. Right. Well, so. I mean, that was during the time, too, though, that videos had stories. So I, I kind of just thought it was like, this is the video and here's the story that I don't understand. And now I realized yeah. it had a beginning and a middle <laughs> that I, I wasn't privy to. Yeah, and later yeah. in the special, apparently they jam uh, the video for Heroes into it, which you know nothing sells, says Christmas like David Bowie's. Are you Heroes, making that up? Okay, I am not making that up. Huh? Okay, that is, that is bizarre. Yeah, but that is the late seventies for you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, at the time, if we had had Wikipedia, we would have realized that Bing Crosby had been dead for five years and this came out as a single, <laughs> but we just weren't that savvy yet. Yeah, I, I bet we didn't really know. I, it wouldn't have been on our radar. No. Why would it be? Yeah. Interesting. Okay, Jen, you're up. What is your uh, unlikely duet of the 80s? My unlikely duet is Prince and Sheena Easton. 
And the song I'm thinking of is You Got the Look. Yeah, so Sheena Easton, and we all know who Prince is fairly well. I just, I, I wanted to give a little context to Sheena Easton. So she's Scottish. She made it bigger in the UK before she hit it hit here in the US. And I just want to like arrive at this place, right? I, I won't make it long. But in the early 80s, like 81, 82-ish, her first song was Morning Train, parentheses, 9 to 5, which you guys know why that happened, right? Uh, no, actually, I don't know. So oh, 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 wait a minute. Let me guess. Let me guess. Let me guess. Was that that was the same time that the movie Nine to Five came out? As Arthur Fonzarelli would say, "Exactamundo." Um, <laughs> there was, and she had the song. She had the song that was on the radio. So, so in order to not confuse it, they called it "Morning Train Nine to Five here in the U.S. because it was called Nine to Five in the, in um, in England. Ah. So, I just have to mention that this, when I was seven or eight years old, this was my one of my favorite songs to sing in the shower. I have no idea why. Um, oh my gosh! Hold on! I, hold I on! Hold on! We need to put together a playlist called Gen Jams. Gen jams, Gen jams done, and spell jams with two M's <laughs> and a Z. Perfect. Yes, and a Z. Okay. Perfect. Sorry, back on so, track. Um, so, no problem. So, Morning Train was Sheena Easton's only number one hit in the U.S. on the Billboard 100 and Adult Contemporary, which is significant because she was like, even I don't even know how old she was. I bet she was in her mid twenties, but she was hitting Adult Contemporary genre hardcore. Oh yeah. So she stayed. She stayed in this for a while. So in 1982, she got an Oscar nomination for Best Original Song for. What movie? Anyone? For, for your, your eyes only. Only See, for I'm starting me. to feel it because he's singing. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So which that was a beautiful song. And then in 1983, she had a duet, which was actually a more likely duet at the time with Kenny Rogers called We've Got Tonight. You guys remember oh, that Oh, yeah, one? of course. I, I do, but I, I didn't remember it as being a duet. Well, it was a cover. It's funny. You remember the Bob Seger version, probably. Oh, I remember yeah. the duet. Which, yeah. Yeah, but she, it was a beautiful duet, and I think it was a good idea to do that. And I, I bet we've never done that well, cover and, on the show. And Kenny Rogers was kind of, he was doing a lot of that stuff at that point. Oh, for he real? Was, like, talk about Dolly Parton, right? Islands in the Stream? He was hotter than Sunburn. Oh. <laughs> you, were, you were doing then, so well up until then. That's a quote <laughs> um, so that I stand by my line. <laughs> oh, okay. So moving on, I'm going to keep rolling here to to the actual duet. In 1983, she had a few more minor hits, Almost Over You, which I re-listened to today and is still a beautiful, beautiful ballad. Um, And then in 1984, which makes sense to me when I think about that year, she starts making this transition from that sort of, you know, soft rock adult contemporary thing to like sexy Sheena. Yeah. Right. So she's trying to put her hat in the ring to be like a poppy, more poppy, more sexy. And so Prince helped her to do this by a song that he wrote. I know. Like, he never did that for anybody. Um, but he wrote a song for her album called A Private Heaven. And the song was Sugar Walls.
of course, this song was one of um, Tipper Gore slash um, PMRC's Filthy 15, right? Of course, Prince was on that list, too. Darling Nikki, I think, was his. But, of course, that's great PR for somebody who wants to shake her good girl image, right? Yeah, Yeah, you couldn't plan that better. So that actually, exactly, it worked really well. So thank you, Tipper. But the unlikely duet that I mentioned is when she, in 1987 is on Prince's album, Sign of the Times, but also in the concert film, You Got the Look. And it's great. It's a great song. I think, you know, it's a great getting ready song. <laughs> and if you've never done that, try it. It, 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 you, it kind of pumps you up. But in the film... I, I was confused by that. I thought you said, like, if we'd never gotten ready before, which I was going to voluntarily say, I really just normally don't. <laughs> you sometimes will have to get ready. And then put this song on and you'll be so you'll be so pumped. But I will say about this song that if you've ever sung it in karaoke, that the Prince lines is the more fun part. Like the Sheena Easton slash female voice part is not that prominent in this song, Mm. which you don't realize when you're listening to it. But when you're singing it, you're like, and if you get if you do the Sheena Easton part, you're like, oh, this is kind of boring. (laughs) (laughs) I guess they were unlikely in that she was doing the good girl thing. But less unlikely in that Prince was sort of helping her to reshape her image and, and help reshape her music. Yeah. But I, I uh, wanted to mention a second duet that I don't know if you guys know about, but she kept writing her own music during this time. And I think Prince was one of the people who encouraged her to do that. They had another duet in 1989, which was a song for the soundtrack of a movie. Does anyone want to venture a guess for which movie? The movie was in 89? 89. Uh, duet in 89 i i got nothing it's all you steve no steve this if (laughs) brad (laughs) i know i'm getting so excited for the cruise you guys i'm like doing trivia in my sleep (laughs) so the movie was batman oh Uh, why didn't i i mean geez just think it through damn the song that she wrote that they did their second duet together is called arms of orion and it's beautiful. I mean, it's a it's one of my favorite songs on that album. It's really, really lovely. And it's one of my favorite duets that he's ever done. And I think it's kind of more interesting in a way than the You Got the Look song. If you looked at Prince and early Sheena, you would say, I don't get it. But then when you look at Prince in later 80s, as Sheena's trying these different genres on, it it makes a little bit more sense. It it feels kind of strange at first, but then you're like, oh, okay, she's the one. She's kind of spreading her wings. Yeah. The big in big wireless provider stands for a lot of things. Big contracts, big bills, and big fees. What big wireless doesn't want you to know is there's a way to cut your wireless bill down to just 15 bucks a month. Introducing Mint Mobile, the game-changing company that's taken everything wrong with big wireless and made it right. Mint Mobile makes it so easy to cut your bill down to just 15 bucks a month. You can even keep your old number, along with all your existing contacts, with any Mint Mobile plan. There's no more paying for unlimited data that you'll never use. And if you're not 100% satisfied, Mint Mobile has you covered with their 7-day money-back guarantee. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, plus free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card, go to mintmobile.com podcast. 
That's mintmobile.com slash podcast. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month and get free shipping on your Mint Mobile SIM card at mintmobile.com slash podcast. Okay, so just to bring it home, here's my unlikely duet of the 80s. It's from the late 80s, which will surprise longtime listeners to the show because I don't I normally disavow the late 80s. But in 1987, there was an amazing song performed by Pet Shop Boys, not the Pet Shop Boys, just Pet Shop Boys, and a lady named Dusty Springfield, and the song was What Have I Done to Deserve This? Casey, would you please play What Have I Done to Deserve This? <laughs> song right more or less uh, oh mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. absolutely sure surprisingly like i mean i remember it but i did not realize until doing my weeks and weeks of research that i put into every Exhaustive. single show we do <laughs> it actually peaked at number two both in the uk where the pet shop boys are far more popular and also at number two on the u.s charts huh can anyone guess what three songs, one in the UK, two in the US, kept the song out of the number one position? 1987. Uh, Don't think too hard. Seven. You're not going to get it. Yeah, no. <laughs> okay. Not any, I, all I can think of is bad, but that's not... That's a good guess, but it would be wrong. In the US, the two songs that kept it out on different weeks, Seasons Changed by Expose. Oh, God. Oh. <laughs> And Father Figure by George Michael. Huh. Huh. In the UK, can you guess which song Rick rolled? Oh, no. What have I done to deserve this? Oh, <laughs> out no. of the top position. Oh. Is it, is it what it you're was, saying? Never going to give you up? It is Rick Astley. It is Rick Astley and never going to give you up. Uh, yes. Well, so, you know, if you're going to get kept so, out of the number one spot, be kept out of the number one spot by a song that's going to be a meme for 20 years. Yeah, exactly. Right. Uh, pet, not pet, the other one. <laughs> not Seasons Change. Not no. Seasons Change. I can't even remember Seasons Change. How's it go, Jen? Seasons Change. People <laughs> Change. It's so stupid. It's really, even at the time, I was like, ugh, I would yeah, change like, it when I would hear it on the radio. Wow, clever writing, guys. This is why we didn't like the late 80s so much. Anyway, uh, Pet Shop Boys, in case you didn't know it, are the most successful duo in UK history. They have sold more than 100 million records. They have 42. Yeah, yeah. They are the hollow notes of Britain. Uh, yeah, that was the joke I was going to make. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> they have 42 top 30 singles, 22 top 10 hits in the UK, uh, and six Grammy nominations. But. What Have I Done to Deserve This helped revive Dusty Springfield's career career, and led to a resurgence of her music in the 80s. Now, for those who don't remember Dusty Springfield, which I did not, like I remember when this song came out, I thought Dusty Springfield was like a nickname for Rick Springfield. <laughs> That's hilarious. I honestly did. And then I thought it must it's a country star. It's something. Like, I had no idea who Dusty Springfield was. Yeah, so me either. Completely off my radar. But Dusty Springfield was born Mary Isabel Catherine Bernadette O'Brien, hence being just known as Dusty Springfield. Sure. Dusty's career spanned from the late 1950s 
to the 1990s. Dang. Uh, some of her hits, Wishing and Hoping, I Just Don't Know What to Do With Myself, a.k.a. the Spearsy Anthem, and of course, <laughs> Son of a Preacher Man, <laughs> also known as the Anti-Spearsy Anthem. Here's what's, what's interesting. Uh, she was chosen for induction into the Rock Hall of Fame in the class of 1999 alongside, are you ready for this? Billy Joel, Paul McCartney, and Bruce Springsteen. Wait, wait. But hmm. sadly, really? Is, does that make sense yep. to us? Are we okay with that? I, I can't decide. I don't think anyone's going to lose sleep over that, Brad, but that's the way it happened. Okay. I'm Okay. I mean, it seems odd, but what what happened I mean, next? Good Tell on you, me. Dusty. She she died two weeks before the ceremony after a, a long battle with breast cancer. Uh, oh man! Was she inducted like posthumously, or Elton John did actually induct her posthumously into the hall, declaring, "quote I'm biased, but I think that she was the greatest white singer that ever was. Every song she sang, she claimed as her own." Unquote. Oh wow. And at the 2009 Brit Awards, when Pet Shop Boys were uh, given an outstanding contribution to music award, they did perform the song and taking the place of Dusty Springfield, Lady Gaga. Since you went away, I've been hanging around. I've been wondering why I'm feeling down. You went away. It should make me feel better, but I don't know how I'm going to get through. Oh, hmm. that's kind of fun. Yeah. So there you go. Fun. I've learned a lot I, today, guys. Too. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> go back and watch. If you're not a f- fan of Pet Shop Boys, which I wasn't until maybe 10 years ago, go back and watch on YouTube. There's a 10 minute clip of their performance at the 2009 Brit Awards, and they do a medley of all their songs. Okay. And oh, cool. They have Brandon Flowers is there stepping in to, to do part of the singing. But it is a fantastic performance, and it's a really good just like sampler of their music over the last uh, 30 years. Great. What was the year again? Tell me again. 2009. 2009. Okay. Well, you know, I sometimes I think I'm not a great parent, and then I just remember that my daughter knows most of the words to West End Girls, and then I feel better about myself. <laughs> 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 so she may be watching this with me. <laughs> You know what else we'd like to watch with you right now? The Seggies. Ah, the mystical refrain that is listener mailbag. Hey, we haven't done one of these in a while. But, our our uh, listeners have been on sabbatical, apparently. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, my God. I had this weird thing happen last night at a family dinner because we've been talking about death a little bit on this podcast. And so I have to go into this. We have a big birthday dinner back in Clearwater. And at the at the end of our birthday dinners, like someone usually pulls out a board game or some sort of trivia game and we play. But somebody pulled out like a book of like random philosophical questions. Huh. And one of the questions they asked was, if you could know it, would you want to know the date of your own death? And so so I have to ask you two, if you if you could know it, would you want to know the date of your own death? Brad, you want to go first? <laughs> oh, sure. Absolutely not. Same. No, no, I do not. That's that's, that's a. V- I, I think it would cloud my ability to enjoy the time I have left. I would be so focused on that one day. 
Right. I mean, I don't no, know. Maybe I'm going to walk away from the microphone right now, and a meteor's going to hit me on the head when I go out the door to go to the movies later. But I don't want to know that. Be, I don't want to know that. Jen, what would you? What's your answer? Would you want to know the dates of your death? I, I'm I'm I, I'm on board with what um, Brad just said. Well, and the enti- slowness with which he said it. Because <laughs> that's what, I, and I'm not so, kidding. Because that's exactly what I was going to say. Absolutely not. No. So, every member of my family agreed with you, and so they 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 finally said, "Does anyone here actually want to know it?" And I raised my hand, and they're like, "My God, why?" And I just said, "Budgeting." <laughs> <laughs> you know, that's wow. Yeah, that is I mean, really practical. That is really practical, Steve. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I just. I wanted to tell that story, and there it is. And, Budgeting. And you know, it just. It just slipped out like no hesitation. I hadn't even thought about it. Oh my gosh! Just, you know, I can't fault that answer because I am at, at my heart a very practical person. That's yeah. an answer that Aaron from Broadcast News would have given if somebody had asked him that question. Yes. That that is that is a perfect comparison. Anyway, we have uh, two letters this week. Brad, why don't you take the first one? Okay, this first letter is from Chip in Maryland. He writes, Hey guys, just finished listening to your latest episode, Covers of the 80s, for the second time. I don't have any thoughts to share about cover songs, but I do have a general observation. I've decided that one of the perks that comes with age is memory loss. (laughs) Okay, interesting supposition. My second time listening to Jen with One End's trivia contest, I found I'd forgotten at least half of the answers. (laughs) (laughs) I'm pretty sure I gave some of the same wrong answers the second time around. So the bad news is I suck at trivia, but the good news is I'll be able to listen to your past podcast episodes forever without ever tiring of them. Cool. Your amnesiac friend from the 80s, Chip in Maryland. Hey, who took a bite of my sandwich? Wow. This is my favorite letter ever. (laughs) (laughs) It is so funny. It's funny because this actually happened to us this week when we were pitching ideas for future shows and i said i got an idea for a show about uh you know bad movies with great soundtracks and everyone emails me back uh steve we did that like within the last year oh well but the good news is <laughs> it's still a great idea we just already Nobody, did it. chip doesn't remember it chip's all in favor of us doing it oh my again. god so here's what so. i love about this letter first of all I, when i heard he was listening to it a second time I was like, oh, okay, that's cool. Like, I, I don't really do that. I, don't, I usually just listen to them once. But then when he said he had the faulty memory, I was like, oh, maybe he like did not remember listening to the whole podcast the first time. I don't know. It's just a very good attitude, Chip. Yeah. I really like that. <laughs> yeah. Very yeah. well done. Uh, Jen, do you want to read the second letter? I shall. From Miss Tanya. Let's do it. Hi, Stephen Brad. I have so many new favorite 80s songs after listening to your podcast. Somehow, I had missed a lot of the ones you talk about growing up. Thank you for taking the time to introduce us, or remind us, Chip, how great certain (laughs) songs were. (laughs) Now I listen to even more songs from Adam Ant, Depeche Mode, and I added my first Fix and Talking Head songs to my list of music. Awesome. I was wondering if other 80s Nations fans have had a similar experience. PPTMN. What 80s songs or artists have you recently discovered in 2019? P.S. I look forward to hearing what Kat Benatar is up to in 2019. And thank you to Brad for starting the virtual 5K run club. Yay. Woot woot. She says, I have been running indoors at the gym on the track on the weekends because it's been so cold and icy here in Cold Lake, Alberta. Well, it's right there in the name. Yeah, yeah it is in the name. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
And she says, thank it's not you. not Warm Springs. Right. Thank you, Miss Tanya, the clogging librarian. She sounds so fun. I love librarians, yeah. and I, I'm kind of curious about clogging. <laughs> Is that like a plumbing thing or a dancing thing? You I know. would go with dancing. I'm it's a go dancing with, with it's with, done, with with wooden shoes or something. Yes, exactly. So, so her please please tell me now is. Please please tell me now. Please please tell me now. What eighties songs or artists have you recently discovered? Okay, Brad, uh, what's your answer? Ah. Uh, if I'm going to read the the if I'm going to read the question literally, recently discovered in 2019, I have to say none. <laughs> I just. I mean, it's, Febu- I, I, it's I February, it's, so I think it's you a can. Cop-out answer. I know it's a cop out a- answer, Miss Tanya, and I throw myself on the mercy of the court. But it has been a very hectic first month of the year, and so I find myself running home to old favorites. So I've been listening to a lot of the albums that I listened to when I was, you know, 16, like "Friend or Foe" by Adam Ant and. Reach the beach by the fix. So I haven't really heard anything new. So send me some new stuff, 80s Nation. Help me out here. And by new, you okay. mean really old. New, old. new to me. New to me. Exactly. <laughs> right. Jen, what bands have you uh, only recently discovered? So this was a hard one for me, too, because I, I, it hasn't happened to me, at least recently. And I include like the last couple of months of 2018 in my thinking here. But she also asked the question, what 80s songs have you recently discovered? And I can't name the songs yet because I'm still learning them because they're new to me. So I've been sort of in advance of the cruise, listening to not just the singles of the people that are going to be on the cruise, but the the deep cuts or even like the middle cuts that I just never got, you know, I never got past the radio play stuff. So I have been starting to listen to the Fix albums, Club Nouveau, which has been super fun, Grandmaster Flash. I think those three are probably the ones because, you know, Sheila, I'm pretty familiar with. And um, English Beat, I'm pretty familiar with. So I think I would say these three are the ones that I'm kind of like hitting on Spotify and kind of like, I, okay, I heard that song. This song sounds vaguely familiar. I have never heard these three songs. So that's kind of where I'm at with this question. How about you, Spearsy? Our last podcast was on Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, and we spent part of the podcast talking about the soundtrack. And leading up to doing the podcast, I, I must have listened to the soundtrack three or four times. And so I'm kind of hung up right now on the songs and the bands from from that record. Uh, artists like Robbie Rob, uh, bands like Extreme and Shark Island. These great songs that you only hear for maybe 30 seconds. And I don't think any of us knew, or I didn't anyway. I certainly, they were not on my radar in the 80s at all because I just was not into that music. But, you know, Dave Dirt, when he was doing the podcast with us, I mean, he, he definitely kind of got me excited about wanting to listen to this music again. And so the, the, the soundtrack for Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventures is seriously what's been going through my earbuds for the last week. And I'm, I'm really enjoying it. Cool. Funny. If you have uh, new bands or new songs that you are just only now recently discovering, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and we'll talk about them on a future show. Ah, the ever strange but somewhat familiar refrain of I want my music of <laughs> Ah, the mysterious but still somewhat familiar refrain of I want my mystery TV theme song theme song. 
Uh, I got my that right. Old friend and bitter nemesis. We meet again. <laughs> third, third time's the charm. Anyway, uh, you know the drill here. We will play a snippet of a theme song from a TV show that Brad and I most likely never saw. And because we, we I wouldn't say it's because we had lives. What, what, what is our normal excuse? I don't know. It wasn't that we were dating. <laughs> That's true. I don't know what. We were playing Dungeons and Dragons. I have no idea. <laughs> that late in the 80s, probably <laughs> anyway, not. But sure, that works. I'll, I'll own it. Anything to get out of this awkward uh, transition. Uh, and uh, we'll enter you into a drawing for a um, laser-inscribed, metallic, stuck-in-80s bottle opener. Yeah, baby. Is that, once we get some back in stock? I got Yeah. The order is placed. Anyway, pay attention. Here was the clip from the last show. That's America's Funniest Home Videos. Now, can I ask this question? Was anybody kind of forced to watch this by their parents because it was kind of deemed like a family-friendly show that we can all certainly agree on watching? Anybody remember watching this show in the 80s? I let kind me point of out, sort of do. Oh, go ahead, Let me Brad. point out that it would be difficult for us to remember watching this in the 80s because, and, you know, 80s Nation can pile on me for this one because I picked this clip. It aired once in the 80s, one time oh, as man. a special in November of 1989. But then it's been running for 30 years since then. So, uh, you know. Okay. It's it still. Barely squeaked in. It aired as a special on ABC on November... Just in November. November. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like a one-off. And then they were like, hey, that costs like 10 cents to make and we can sell ads against it. So let's sign that thing up. So it started as a regular series in the 90s and is still on today, I think. What was the, wasn't there an ABC series that was kind of like this? So this yeah, is that I, ABC like, series. No, no, there, there's another one. Cause I'm thinking to myself about my own chronology and like I did not watch this show, but there was a show that... Dick Clark and um, Ed McMahon hosted, and it was l- kind of like this, but it wasn't home videos because not a lot of people had home videos. But it was like commercials. You're not talking about candid camera, are you? No, candid camera. No, but it's like commercials. It was like America, like funniest commercials or something like that. That I, I okay. remember seeing, and they they would show like commercials from like other countries too that were funny and didn't need translating because they were so like silly and slapstick but right but that's what i remember well, but i did not watch this show i think i, I might have been too busy having you know teenage drama or whatever yeah. <laughs> oh that, that anyway our confusion and uh dismay at, at this particular choice kind of explains the fact that only three people got it right wow so yeah, brad take a short take a half breath and <laughs> pretty sure we got them all this time Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I did a, a careful and thorough examination of my emails and text messages to find these three. And normally, I wouldn't allow a text message answer to be entered into the drawing. But in this case, I was going to make an exception. So let me take a shallow breath and I'll get through the winners. Winners this week are Joseph Perdue, Debbie O'Hanlon, and Dean in texas 
Okay, uh, I, I could say we could also just pretty much play rock, paper, scissors to figure out who the winner of the bottle opener is. You don't need to spin the wheel. Ready? Yep. Who's going to take... I'm going to flick the <laughs> nah, wheel. I'm going to flick the wheel. Rochambeau. Just... <laughs> yeah. Flick the wheel, Jen. I did. I just did. And okay. After a mind-boggling third of a spin, Debbie O'Hanlon is the winner. So Debbie, send us your postal address to uh, podcast at sit80s.com. And as soon as we get those new bottle openers in, you will have one in your hot little hands. Pay attention. Here's this week's mystery theme song. If you know it, email us at podcast at sit80s.com and tune in next week to find out if you're a winner. We'll be right back after this commercial break. I gotta take a break. I wanna play in the rain and take a break. Seven up so cool and clear. Yeah, it feels as good as the rain is out here. I gotta take a break. I wanna play in the rain and take a break. It's not coming down. Now you could win a year's worth of free travel on United Airlines. Plus $25,000. Look for the 7-Up Play All Day game. And we're back. And I thought we have just a few minutes left. Let's revisit our old tradition called What's Your 80s Obsession? Brad, what's your 80s obsession? Well, I feel like Jen kind of counterfeited my answer a few minutes ago, but that's okay. Uh, My current 80s obsession is also the bands that are going to be on the cruise. I'm trying to dig a little deeper into the catalog Kind of refreshing on the fix and OMD, but I'm I'm really trying to get deeper into the bands that I don't really um, have that same level of familiarity with, like Grandmaster Flash, who I, I'm most intrigued by his presence on the cruise. So I'm making my Spotify lists and trying to brainwash myself a little bit with that stuff. Ooh, I have to go next. The, I have um, to go next. Go ahead. I have to say something about Grandmaster Flash. He is going to be playing, I think, on Mardi Gras night on the cruise because Fat Tuesday actually falls on Tuesday during the cruise this year. Nice. And so everyone's getting beads to give away. And I found this pair of beads on Etsy that I think I think they cost me like $30 just for one set of beads. What? Are those is they, are have, they pearls? Is that what they're are called? Are they Pearl? magic beads? <laughs> You sure hope so. They're they're covered with little 80s symbology. So they have uh, little Pac-Mans and Rubik's Cubes and all this other kind of fun stuff on it. Is that? Are so. you wearing that with your outfit that night? Is that what you're wearing? Yeah, I guess so. If it fits, yeah. If, if it fits, it, I sits. <laughs> it's a necklace. <laughs> yeah, seriously, bro. Uh, I bought the wrong kind of beads then. I'm sorry. Oh, jeez. Uh, anyway. Please tape. let me go next. Please <laughs> Okay, Jen, you're up next. All right, so my '80s obsession is it might be helpful to you, Brad. I um, during the Christmas, you know, that winter break where kids are home from, like constantly. Every night, my husband and I would watch a show on Netflix called Hip Hop Evolution, and yeah. it's it's not that long actually. I think there's only like four or five episodes per season, but it was so fun because we watched the first season and we loved it so much. And then we did that thing on Netflix where you're like, we, we well, we didn't for a while, but eventually we saw look at other seasons, you know, that little mm-hmm. <laughs> thing that you can click. And then we found out there was a second season. So we were so excited because we really love the show. So Hip Hop Evolution is a documentary series that's lovingly, I have to say, uh, put together um, their personal interviews with 
all kind of DJs and rappers and producers. But the guy who does it um, is a DJ and a rapper himself. So he like really comes at it from a place of love. And it's really cool. Like it really digs in. The first season in particular talks to like the foundation, the, the people who are still around who really built this kind of music. So like DJ Cool Herc, um, Cochlear Rock, Grandmaster Flash. I mean, they, they have a lot of interviews with Grandmaster Flash, actually. Fab oh, yeah. Five Freddy always shows up everywhere. Africa Bombada, Curtis Blow. I mean, all of the people who like started this kind of movement. Um, mm-hmm. and it's good. Like the, the interviews are, are not, it's coming from a fan rather than like a journalist. So okay. the questions that he asks and the answers that they give are so different from other stuff that I've read or heard other places. And it's super right. entertaining. It's really, really good. So it's called Hip Hop Evolution. And it's streaming on Netflix now, two seasons. And if you are coming on the cruise and are curious about Grandmaster Flash, this is a really good place to to start, I think. And my only complaint, my only like critique of the show is that they never talk much about what year it is. Because they kind of come at it like from different, it's not chronological a lot of the times. The beginning part okay. is, but then it starts to be like about different regions of the country and how, you know, the rap and hip hop scenes develop in like Atlanta or East Coast or West Coast. But I kind of wish they helped you locate a little bit kind of where you are in time. I mean, obviously, it's important to me, like what era this happened in. So you can kind of okay. like have a little timeline in your timeline in your. Exactly. But it is really entertaining. I highly recommend it. If you're really into documentaries and you're looking for a couple more, if you're especially if you're coming on the cruise, and this will be our last word on the cruise <laughs> for this week, uh, there's two other documentaries. One's on Netflix called We Are Twisted and Sister. That's a good one if you really want to get acquainted with Dee Snyder. And um, if you want to, you can look it up on uh, on YouTube. There's a documentary on OMD. So Ooh. if you're in the mood for a documentary, there are plenty of options. Uh, in the meantime, my obsession is still with audiobooks. I'm I'm addicted to memoirs now of 80s people on Audible. I've now finished Bruce Springsteen, Phil Collins, both Rob Lowe books, and I've just downloaded, and I'm going to start listening to it tomorrow morning, the new Billy Idol book. Ooh. Have you read that, Brad, the Billy so, Idol one? I have not. Sounds intriguing to me. Uh, it will be intriguing. May it will I be ask, very fun. Let me ask a question, Steve. The Rob, the Rob Lowe books, does he narrate them? Yeah. Oh my God. Okay, so he literally n- narrates them. That's fantastic. So I may have to. I've read them both. I own them both, but I, I might have to listen to the audio of it. And I guess I'll just take this opportunity to say, Rob Lowe, will you be my Valentine? So you can just text <laughs> Brad <laughs> the answer. Text me <laughs> your answer. And why I'll or no? Pass it along. <laughs> Check this box. <laughs> you, you should. You should. You should listen to him. He he's excellent at delivering those stories. Oh, he's so, great. I love Sam I, I, Sam Seaborn forever. <laughs> yeah, he, it's he is the best. As I said, if there are unlikely duets that you love or bands from the eighties that you're just now discovering, email us at podcasts at com. But in the meantime, we'll be filling in our little paper Valentine's Day to bring them to schools to slip them in each other's boxes. It's that time again. But until the next awkward romantic season, we'll remain here, hopelessly stuck in the 80s. Stuck in the 80s is a member of the CLNS Media Network. Special thanks to Check Battery Daily for our theme music. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, or the CLNS Media mobile app.